It is a time for children this morning. I want to invite all our kids who are here to come forward for our time together. Good morning. Oop, can I get my feet in there? Good morning. Hi, James. Hi there. Good morning, Molly. Hi, Charlie. Come on up. Hi, Casey. Oh, it is wonderful to see you in worship this morning. It is good to be in church. And I have a whole pile of things here this morning. So we will begin our um, thing that we've been talking about in church the past two weeks. And then this is our third week is harvest of hope. And two weeks ago, when y'all came up here, we talked about harvest. And last Sunday was just a very beautiful and special Sunday where we talked about saints and saints that we remember that uh, we're going to have to wait a long time to see and saints that we still get to see every day. So today we're going to talk about hope. Do you like the word hope? Hmm. Got a smile? Maybe a little bit. What do you think of when you think of the word hope? What's it made you think of? Cooper? Church, God, Timmy, happiness, happiness, thinking of someone you love, thinking about someone you love, Mm -hmm. thinking about the cross, believing. Those are some wonderful words about hope. So I think you might have seen these before. They might be new to you. These are um, my holy listening stones. And I just brought these for an example today because you can see these rocks have all kinds of shapes on them. And they might mean different things to you. One has a tree and one has some squiggly lines and there's a a foot and a zigzaggy thing and some water, a heart, all kinds of things. So here's what I want us to do this morning. We're going to make some of these about hope. And so I brought a basket of discs. And can you take one and pass it around? And I'll get a handful and pass it around. If you'd get one. And pass it to your neighbor. And if you had to draw a symbol for hope, what would you draw? And then you get a crayon here. And I want you to draw on your disc there. If you had to draw a symbol for hope, what would it be? And I'll put out these just for examples. But you can create your very own. And I want to see. And it shouldn't take very long because it's just a tiny little circle. And it could be a symbol. It could be a letter. Let's see. Who else needs something to mark with? And I'll show you mine in just a little bit. Did everybody get a disc? Charlie, did you get one? No? Do you need a crown? Kobe, did you get a disc? Yeah? Okay. You drawing? And when you're done, you can just, yeah, you can put them back in the basket when you're done. Oh, I see some marks going. Yeah, are you done with this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you, and if you want to, if you need to turn it on the other side because you didn't like your first one, that's okay too. Oh, I'm just going to need a bit longer. Who wants to show us their symbol of hope? What did you draw, Bentley? Show us your symbol of hope. It's yellow. And look at that. It's bright. Is that hope for you? Yeah. Who else has one? Molly? Tell us about what. Molly has a red heart on hers. That's a symbol of hope. Tell us about yours. That looks like a ribbon. Like is on your shirt. Oh, like the ribbons we wear. 
because we hope for different things, like we hope for cures, we hope for peace, we hope for, yeah, peace in the homes. Cooper, tell me about yours. Is there anything on yours? And tell me about it being blank, because I have a blank rock here too. It's something that you can imagine. So it's blank. So you can imagine anything. Yeah. Who else wants to share? Timothy. Smiley face. That's a happy, full of hope. And uh, that yours has a person and a heart. Tell me about your person and your heart. Love for others, people that we care about. Yeah. Can I show you mine? Okay, so this is mine, and it's like orange marks, and they're bursting out. I picked orange because it was a bright color. And I did this because kind of goes back to those saints we were talking about last week. I looked on the front two rows of church this morning, and just in the front two rows, there were ten kids. And I was so excited about that. And then I look around our whole church, and there are saints of these church. There are saints here that knew my name when I was your age. And there are saints in here that do, we do ministry together every day. And there are saints in this room that have their ministry like making peace and bringing joy and imagining. And all those saints together, just the energy from that just goes I just imagine all the hope going all out over the sanctuary and over our community. Let's pray. Let's pray for these this morning. And this is going to be your symbol of hope that you get to take with you that you created. Okay? So can you hold it tight in your hands? Okay. And let's say together, Dear God, thank you for the hope you've placed in our hearts and in our minds and in our dreams. Thank you, Lord, for filling us with hope, for the gift of your love. We love you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Don't forget to take those with you, kids, and you can put your... Okay. All right. You can go back with your families now. I'm glad you are in worship today. Okay. Today is our last worship service in this sermon series, um, our stewardship sermon series, Harvest of Hope. We have looked at hope and in different ways, harvest, and um, last Sunday, as Pastor Caroline um, shared with the children and with us, All Saints, which to me is one of the most significant statements of faith and hope in our uh, in our church calendar. Um, and today, we are going to be looking at what it means to be a people of hope living now in light of forever. 
And so we are going to a text in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, the little church there at Thessalonica. We're in chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. Listen for the word of God. Sorry, I think I got a cough just a minute. <laughs> Is it you? Mm. And Paul says, pardon? But <laughs> Sorry about that. Paul says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So there are some weeks when I... uh, begin my sermon preparation, and I take a look at the text I chose, and I'm like, "Mm, why did I choose that? This text, this text is one of the proof texts for certain kinds of expectation about what the second coming of Christ will be like. Anybody seen bumper stickers that say, in case of rapture, this car will not have a driver? Y'all seen that? Yeah. I have a question about that. And this is an honest question. I'm, I'm not trying to be cheeky. What kind of God would take some people, drivers of cars, Pilots of airplanes, engineers of trains, and leave them driverless or pilotless. Can you imagine the calamity? I mean, really. I mean, there's the, the first question. What kind of God takes some and leave, leaves others? And then what kind of God would leave such a mess? And, of course, Paul wrote these words before there were planes and cars and trains. 
There's an irony at the beginning of this text where Paul says, My brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be misinformed. There is an irony there. There is a lot of misinformation. I have had people in my office over the years of my ministry terrified that they are going to be the ones left behind. Terrified. So let's unpack this a bit. Paul is writing to this little church that he planted in the city of Thessalonica. And all of them had been Gentiles. He's writing to a Gentile Christian group. And so they had been immersed in the ways of their culture. Many different gods and all kinds of practices and um, sacrifice to different gods. And they heard the good news that Paul brought them and thought that they were hearing a profound word of hope. And so they get on board with the gospel, which asks them to be a people of hope. But they also have this question, and this comes to Paul, perhaps through a letter, perhaps through a messenger. Maybe it came through Timothy, because Paul sent Timothy to offer some comfort to this community, because they had a lot of concerns about those in their little community who had died since receiving the word of the gospel. Because Paul had talked to them about the expectation and the hope in the return of the resurrected Christ, the one who would make all things right, the one who would usher in God's complete kingdom. Paul expected it just any day. But this little community had had some die. So their question is a question of concern. If if someone has died, does that mean they're going to miss out on the benefits of the return of Christ? That they're going to miss out on whatever it is that God has in store for God's redeemed creation? Are they going to miss it? And Paul's answer are words of assurance and words of comfort because he's listening to these people and to their concerns and wanting to provide pastoral care. And what he points out to them is that the God of the resurrection, our Lord Jesus Christ, knows no limits of living or dying That it doesn't matter if we are on this side of the grave or on the other. That the second coming is for all. And Paul says you can take that to the bank. You can put your hope in that. And don't mourn. Don't worry about it. Because then you look like a people who have no hope. And to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to be a believer 
in the resurrected Christ and the life that is offered there and the grace is to be a person of hope. And so Paul says, let that define how you live now. Because you know what forever will look like. It is in God's loving care. You can live freely now. Lives of hope. Lives of grace. Lives of compassion. You can do that now. Well, it's interesting that there have been different answers to what it means to live now in light of forever. And just as I was wondering about why I chose this text to preach on today, um, I also was chuckling at myself a little bit because I was um, I had my phone and I was uh, taking a look on the internet at doomsday cults. That's an answer to what it means to live now in the light of forever, right? That's a way of saying this is how we are going to prepare for the second coming of Christ. I found, I found it um, interesting that a lot of the so-called doomsday cults also have a date attached of when the second coming is going to happen, right? And Paul says that, that worrying about the date, that's not your concern. Jesus says that in the Gospels. That's not yours to worry about. It's not yours because it's in God's hands. And who is God? A God who doesn't let death be the last word. A God who offers grace unconditionally. In that we can put our hope. So what does it like to be a people of God who are living now in light of forever? Well, it might look like Project Reindeer. It might look like having families and children come into this building and find resources when resources are hard to come by. Find resources for a holiday that can be as much heartbreak for some families as it is celebration. Living now in light of forever can mean, oh, I don't know, how many flood buckets, Josh? A lot of flood buckets. For disaster relief. I mean, think about the year we've had. Think about the year we've had. The suffering caused by so many storms and fires and shootings. And in the midst of this, to remain a people of hope, living now in light of forever. Because even in the midst of the concern and the worry Because ultimately, that's what apocalyptic biblical literature is about, is worry and concern about what is happening now and wondering what God's going to do about it and ultimately letting the voice of hope have the final word because our God is a God of hope and that is the last word on it. In that, 
We can live our lives now knowing what God has in store and knowing God's answer to all of our concerns, all of our ills, all of our suffering. Love, hope, grace, compassion. That is the final word. Amen.